Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a reality. Not to mention, with Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Simply add and arrange your content with a click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and use the offer code TEST, T-E-S-T, to get 10% off your first purchase. For Thursday, May the 4th be with you, 2017. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of testing.com. Wait, cut the music. We can't use that. Wow, I didn't realize you. We had the budget to bring in a big time composer like that for the theme song. Ooh. Yeah, well, we <laughs> used the four hundredth episode budget ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually on episode three hundred and ninety eight of This Is Only a Test. I'm Norm, of course, joined by Jeremy Williams. Greetings and salutations, Kishore Hari. Hello, how are you guys doing? Two more episodes. It's been a long two more episodes, right? Two more episodes, and we're done. And that's it for me. That sounds good. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll keep on doing it. I can't believe it. And and you know what? It's what? only three hundred ninety-eight episodes because mm. that's the number we have kept in our episode tracker, our show notes tracker. Oh, you, you're saying it's not the right number? I don't know. We mm. did an accounting. Will and I accounted a while ago, and I think we decided. That when we did, um, for example, at CES, you know, every night would be one episode. Uh, when we used to record five episodes that week. Uh, and when we did uh, Octobercast and split those out, Octobercast didn't count as one long episode. Although, I guess I would have defeated the point of Octobercast if it wasn't considered a 24-hour episode. But we did break it down into two-hour chunks and we released those individually as well. Okay, nobody, everyone's fine with this. Everyone's fine with it. Yeah. And by one measure or another. Yeah. We are reaching some arbitrary milestone, and in this case, it's the 400th episode coming up soon. What should we do? We'd love to hear suggestions for something crazy to do for the 400th episode. I think Jeremy and I should switch seats and see what what happens. Dude. That's only for people to uh, watch the video. Well, they can hear it, We don't mix this in stereo, guys. (laughs) I'm not going to switch you guys left and right just for that episode. All right. Well, we have a few weeks to decide, though. Yeah. But as you said, happy May the 4th. Now, why is Kishore okay for you to say happy May the 4th, but on April 26th, 426, you couldn't say happy Alien Day? Because Alien Day is like an arbitrary number on the side of a ship in that movie. At least May the 4th be with you is, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue. And it's a pun. Who doesn't like puns? No, it's clever. It's good. You see, you see, hear that enthusiasm? (laughs) That's all I can muster today. Look, May the Fourth is a good pun. It is, it is a worthwhile movie 
to celebrate. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I'm not saying Aliens, not all that, but it's not Star Wars, man. The cultural events is a little different and maybe not as widespread these days. I mean, you go anywhere in a major city today and I guarantee you can find a stormtrooper. Really? You yeah. think so? Yeah, I know you can here in the city. In San well, Francisco, if you go to... Uh, that's just San Francisco. There's like 500 First Legion out just everywhere. That's what I'm on saying. On a Tuesday. No, no, no. Like today they're out for real. Like they're doing their charity yeah. work. Go to Super 7 tonight, you're going to see Stormtroopers. Oh, awesome. Okay. I actually saw the CEO of the Gates Foundation, who used to run our university, <laughs> like sent out a pic of her dressed up as Princess Leia. So, oh. I mean, it's really pervade. If the Gates Foundation is putting out, may the fourth be with you. It's good yeah, stuff. it's good. Then Disney must be very happy with, uh, with everyone's participation. Plus, this is a big month. This is the 40th anniversary of Star Wars this month. Is it? Yes. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, so what are the big uh, things going on for May the 4th? Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be close to the end of the day. What's the big Star Wars news? Well, it's got to be the fan album. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you may not have heard. Should but... I play this? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear it. Well, I mean, I'll pull it up. You, you describe it. So uh, it's actually it's getting spread around. Our friend worked on this, uh, Dan Amrick, who Jeremy and I used to work with uh, back in our video game magazine days. He has a band, a side band called Palette Swap Ninja. Yeah, do you get that? <laughs> no. It's a reference to Street Fighter, isn't it? No, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, where they, they had Sub-Zero and his evil twin brother. They used the exact same sprite, but they would swap out the color. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, of, Scorpion. of one of the pixels. Yeah, Palette Swap Ninja. And they've been working on this album, this concept album, for a while. They released it this week. It is... The album. Of course, the site is down. Yes. It is uh, a Star Wars parody of the Beatles album. I, yeah. Of which Beatles album? Sgt. Peppers. Peppers. Oh, wow. Oh, a it's, full album, it's every single song. entire album. And it, like... Track for track, it tells the story of Star Wars and New Hope. So they rewrote all of the lyrics, but it's that same, yes. all the songs have the same structure. And they played every song. They learned how to play every single song, all the instruments. They recorded that, and then they wrote new lyrics for the entire album that tell the story of Star Wars in the most funny way. Well, Starship Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is the original album, of course. Their title for this already is a parody. It's Princess Leia's Stolen Death Star Plans. Which rhymes. I mean, and uh, Dan has been going around doing a bunch of interviews. There's a store on NPR about this. Awesome. And Oh, everyone's written about this now. He spent, how long was it? Over five years. Five years wow. writing out this. I mean, it was not just like an afternoon. Let's, how, how can we make this? And you got, you, Jeremy, you got to pull up the song. Let's play a clip. I'm working on it, man. Thank goodness. It's you. on YouTube. I, I, I'm there now. And right, uh, you can we. listen to the I whole see, thing. Here's the first track. All right. This is an unofficial fan made video. Oh, a little chatter. Get us into it. <laughs> Dan's a musician. That sounds great. It was many years ago today In a galaxy so far away It's a period of civil war They don't want the empire anymore The rebels made a daring move They got some dirty in their hands This is incredible, and he can belt it out. Dan is awesome. We used to play rock band with him back at the official Xbox magazine headquarters, and uh, he's been playing music for a long time. 
Um, I think he believes he works for Ubi now. Yep. Ubisoft. Uh, but the entire album, uh, along with, um, is on YouTube along with visuals. So all the lyrics along with cutscenes um, from the film, uh, you can find on YouTube. You guys should check it out. It's just one of those most uplifting, surprising, um, just awesome victories for fandom that have come out. That's amazing. I have some personal Star Wars news, too. Oh, do you? So I am working on a show that was just announced a couple days ago. I'm working behind the scenes on a new science and Star Wars show that will be on StarWars.com what? later what? this fall. What? Yeah. It's so um, a friend of Tested, Anthony Carboni, used to be a, you know, D News and Rev3, um, uh, is hosting the show. He's the host of the Star Wars show now, where it's a team up between... IBM's Watson mm. and I guess Anthony and uh, we explore the science behind some elements of the Star Wars universe uh, and show some real life examples and also do a maker build to see if we can recreate it. Now I'm I'm familiar cool. I'm familiar with people looking at the science side of maybe Star Trek maybe more you know 2001 or even harder science than that stuff. But Star Wars doesn't strike me as a universe that took science really, really seriously. Come on. Uh, there's so much. Is it? Is that true? Come on. They're like, we're talking about regenerate, regenerative medicine with Darth Vader. Uh-huh. We're talking about <laughs> saving data on a- atomic levels with the holocron. <laughs> we're talking about ion engines. We can keep going for a ion while. Ion engines. What, ion cannons. Well, there are ion engines, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. There's twin yeah, ion, yes, of course. right? So is, we is, can keep going. Is hyperspace faster than light speed? Or is it light speed? Now we're just in fiction. Come on. What? <laughs> Come on, that's ridiculous, that statement. <laughs> Some people. Trying to get into this for a minute. Uh, it's getting right. people interested in science. <laughs> I'm excited to work behind the scenes and, and just some... And uh, help build some stuff for I'm that show. For you too. And um, Mike Drucker is, is actually the head writer for the show. So I'm excited to work with Mike. Very cool. Do you know when that might be coming out when you guys go into production? Uh, we go into production soon, and I, I don't know when it comes out. Okay. I'm not high enough on the totem pole. <laughs> like, wow. You science, you go sit in the corner. Keep us in the loop on Is that. there a name of the show? Uh, probably science and Star Wars. All right. <laughs> I'm like, like I clearly am the person that's like glossing over the, the stuff like, what's this show about? When's it, when's it recording? And I'm like, no, let's get to building stuff. One last bit of Star Wars news. There's a trailer. I mean, Jeremy, you mentioned it's going to be the 40th anniversary of Star Wars yep. this month on May 25th. And there is a trailer for a new film coming out, I believe, also on May 25th. It's a fan film. It's called um, 525-77, which is the release date of Star Wars. And the director of this is a guy named Patrick Reed Johnson, who... Um, he, it's, a, it's a biopic about himself about his own personal experiences with watching Star Wars hmm. and being one of the first people outside of ILM to watch the film as a kid and how it inspired him along with other movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey to be a filmmaker. So it's the trailer is interesting because um, it's, a, it's not a documentary. It's a, a biopic. There's an actor playing him as a kid and it's like a love story. It's a coming of age story. I have a little, little mixed feelings about it because it's very... Um, Naval gazy. Hmm. It's about his own life. Mm-hmm. And everyone has different relationships with Star Wars. And I think the, the, the challenge about this film is going to be whether it can communicate the enthusiasm for Star Wars in 1977 with everyone already kind of already aware of what that was like and tell from a different angle. Um, this film actually 
has been in the works for over itself over 10 years. I think their plan was going to be, he was going to release it in the Star Wars 30th anniversary. So he's had most of it shot and cut already. And it's been for one reason or another, another 10 years before uh, he could he could actually put it in theaters and get a distributor. So uh, that's coming out later this month. But there is a trailer that you can find online. It's just called 52577 with hyphens. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of Star Wars news and Star Wars stuff coming out this month for this 40th anniversary. Well, I hope everyone had a great May the 4th. How did you celebrate? How did I celebrate? I probably went home and watched hockey. (laughs) I probably went home and watched basketball. (laughs) I celebrate Star Wars every other day. I don't need to make it a thing on on May 4th to celebrate (laughs) Star Wars. Do you think Star Wars is ever going to lose its appeal? 40 years, man. Do you think by 10 more years, 50 is going to make any difference? I think when our generation dies, it'll... Like some of the luster will be gone because the you can't replace the experience. The of greatest those, generation, the nerdiest generation, greatest generation. I think I might be the worst generation. <laughs> the but like the experience of of New Hope and Empire coming out and Jedi and being kids during that time frame. Yeah, I think that those people um, when they expire, I think you'll lose a little bit expire. of the luster. I, I think also Star Wars came out at a right point of film and the film in Hollywood and the cinema business. And I don't think it's less so, it's mean less so that the concept of Star Wars, the hero's journey, science fiction changing, because it's a fantasy story. It's not, sure. science, we're never going to catch up to a point where we have Star Destroyers and Death Stars where that becomes um, mundane. It's about how these stories are going to be told. And I think the things that may change the most is the cinema experience of watching movies together. That experience may change, maybe more niche, uh, maybe that's why Star Wars exists in a variety of platforms, you know, video games, VR, books, comics, and I think that's going to endure. And here I just thought it was about money. Well, all those things do funnel back <laughs> into back into the money aspect. And all the things are pervasive throughout pop culture. So maybe it's time for us to talk about... Forget May the 4th. I'm all about May 5th for Ooh. one key reason. It's the release date this week, tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, is that come out tomorrow? Do, do you no. not have your tickets, oh. Jeremy? No, oh. I do not. Oh, my goodness. I just watched the first one, though, again, Okay, to get my brain going. Yeah. It's a good movie. Uga uh, Chaka, Uga Chaka, fun. indeed. It's fun. <laughs> what, are, what are the reviews like? Rotten Tomatoes score... Um, I haven't checked recently. Like when it first came out, it was good. And then I usually a few days out, I just go blackout because I don't want to, you know, set the expectations yeah. too high. Mm-hmm. And they, they're really ramping up all the, the commercials, all the promotional merchandise. And Dorit- the, Doritos? Everything, whatever. Doritos? Dude, there's an MP3 player Dorito thing you could have bought. Uh. It was available for one day last month on wait, Amazon. Wait, wait, what? Yes, a, a bag of Doritos with an MP3, pl- with a headphone jack, I swear to God. <laughs> And you plug in and you hit play and it plays the entire freaking soundtrack of the movie. No, this isn't real. I'm not kidding. It goes for over a hundred bucks on eBay now. A Doritos bag. Bag that had <laughs> a headphone jack. Yep. Yep. That's what you get. Take that, Apple. Even Doritos is saying headphone jack stays. Yeah. Good oh point. Good point. Did you see uh, this random tangent? Because you say Doritos, which immediately thinks, makes me think about Taco Bell because they're crazy Doritos taco shell, which I think is one of the 
most ingenious creations in fast food history and in synergies in, in, in stoner foods. Uh, Taco Bell has a new product called the chicken chips. Oh, God. It's a chicken nugget, which is all in the shape of a tortilla chip that you dip. So you eat your chicken nugget. What? Is it in what? But is it? Is there chicken inside of the tor- Very chip? little. I bet. Like very a little. thin very piece thin of strip. chicken. Mostly batter. Mostly fried. What the hell? But it's the shape of a tortilla chip, and I'm, I'm sure eventually they'll have Doritos flavored chicken chips and find some movie to tie it into. That's great. Right. Norm, I, I put a picture in the show notes of the Doritos bag for you. It comes, oh. with, it comes with those cheap 80s headphones, too. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know then the, I'm into it. Another thing that happened, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago, uh, for a promotion for Guardians of the Galaxy is uh, you see this Uber promotion, Uber slash Twitter promotion. You tweeted Baby Groot at the Marvel Twitter handle. Uh-huh. And then um, you press like you press a button, it tweets it out. So you're promoting the movie. Marvel, the, their Twitter account responds to you with a link. You click the link and give them your info. You link it to your Twitter account and say, I am. And then they send an Uber driver to you that moment. To deliver you a baby Groot toy. Oh wow, that's cool. This is very expensive this, promotion. That is, this is getting out of hand. Well, it's expensive as they want, right? Well, maybe, sure. Maybe they have ten Groots. That's it. No, no, no. I, and everyone I know who did it got a baby Groot. You're they must me. have had Ubers going around what? with boxes of these like Funko style baby Groots in their trucks. Did you do it? I didn't do it. Why I didn't not? want to link it to my Twitter account and give them all the info because oh, I, wow. I didn't want to back that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've reached peak Marvel, maybe. That, that's a little bit much. Uh, you for would me. think so, except there are more Marvel, more Marvel than ever, not just in theaters, but also on the small screen, the slightly smaller screen these days. Uh, TV, of course. You got your Netflix Defenders has its first trailer out. You guys watch that? I did watch the trailer. What'd you uh, think? I thought the trailer looked pretty good. I mean, there's some parts that need refining, but all, all four of them are there. So. Jeremy, you didn't follow any of the Marvel. You, 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 all four of them were there. There was a cl- there was a hallway scene. They did fighting. Everyone got there to f- punch someone. Uh, uh, I I really I really like Daredevil a lot. I have season one and two. Uh, yeah, I have not watched any of the others. I tried the Jessica Jones for a minute and I didn't like it. Okay, um, but I probably should give that more of a chance. The thing is, I have so little time for TV, so it's got to just be the best. And Netflix kind of has to th- they throw like here's. A, a show that could have yeah. been six episodes, but let's make them 13 episodes and stretch it out. So for me, when when Daredevil comes in and he yeah. says, stop talking, I'm your lawyer, mm-hmm. I'm on board. Yeah. Like, I, I want to see more Daredevils. So that's good. I think it's effective in a sense that this is what they've been building up to. And the, this is the show we, we wanted for a while. And I hopefully they fix a lot of the problems that Iron Fist had in terms of the choreography and make him a more compelling character. The, he doesn't have to carry the show, which is great. Um it doesn't feel like I don't get the excitement from this that I did from the Avengers. No, but they're d- different scales. Like, it's not just a different scale in terms of like the fights are doing. I'm, I'm totally happy with it being Hell's Kitchen, small hallway fights. That's great. I like these characters. But in terms of the buildup with the Avengers, one, it never been done before. Cinema, these big blockbuster movies and have these characters then existing in some big shared universe. It wasn't, it was never planned that way. They mm. laid in the seeds there barely with, with uh, Iron Man 1 with the stinger. Here, because it's all been planned and because these came out in such quick succession, it feels like when, when you have this, the trailer where you have Jessica Jones in the interrogation room 
with Misty Knight, who was in Luke Cage, with then Daredevil walking in. Like, I don't feel like, oh my goodness, it's finally happening. It's you like, feel oh, like it's okay. slapped together. All right. I guess that's, it, it, we got there. So my problem with it is, isn't the uh, the heroes kind of coming together. Like you said, it's been planned. It's that we don't know what villain they've been building to. There's, and there was two villains sort of revealed, and I'm not going to spoil anything, um, in the trailer. But I don't have a lot of excitement for that. But there were some good looking scenes, like when Iron Fist punches Luke Cage in the face it was kind of great looking. Oh, right. Because, yeah, he hurt him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was a big Ish. deal. Was that a big deal for you? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy's right. finally getting revenge on us, marveling out too much. One more Marvel thing. Uh, we had Entertainment Weekly release the first photo from the upcoming Inhumans show for, uh, for Marvel. Now, this isn't, I don't think it's a Netflix show. It's a miniseries. Uh, originally, it was going to be a movie, but they split it out into a miniseries. The first episode will be put in theaters that you can watch. In uh, IMAX, too. In, in IMAX. And the, the photo shows um, the, the cast. So, Jeremy, are you aware of the Inhumans? I am not. They're the mutants of the Marvel Universe that aren't the mutants. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me. Uh, Game of Thrones meets mutants. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, and it's super compelling. It's 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 they live on the moon, <laughs> and they are a a a race of mutants, genetically engineered yeah. superhumans. Everyone has a different power, but they live under. A um, a a monarchy. How is there so many comics I don't know anything about? Is that like you guys come up with new ones every week? And I'll tell you, this is about the family of the the royal family of the the ruled in humans, King Black Bolt with his wife Medusa, sister Crystal, dog Lockjaw, and uh, and two other ones. Uh, and don't get the wrong impression when he says the dog. And the, the giant dog teleporting pretty, dog. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But the, the, the coolest character is Black Bolt. He's one of the most powerful heroes in the Marvel Universe. Wow. He rules, just like Namor rules the sea, this guy? Black Bolt rules all the Inhumans. He's like the king of mutants. And his power is that his voice can destroy, can create earthquakes. <laughs> so he doesn't talk. He never says a single <laughs> word in the comics. He's completely silent. <laughs> Everyone does the talking for him, but when he needs to fight, he whispers and buildings go down. <laughs> yes. This oh, is, wow. This is all true. Uh, does he communicate telepathically? Yeah. He did. Oh, do, oh, they do. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I, uh, the, I thought the shot of them, like, I don't think Medusa looks that good. No. I don't it looks think like the very costume. Cos yeah, yeah, the costume design. The, the, this first photo, reveal photo, feels very much like a like your typical EW promo photo where everyone is perfectly lit and it's like, look at these actors are all together. Um, I'm hopeful. It is the showrunner, unfortunately, of Iron Fist who's doing this. So that leaves me a little less hopeful. But if they can make it Game of Thrones, political intrigue and conspiracy with superpowers and mutants, then I'm sold. Mm -hmm. Do that right. That's my hope for this series in humans. Okay. I need a vacation from all of this. Yeah, Jeremy, you're just thinking about being at that fire festival. Hey, man, look, if it's good TV, I'll watch it. <laughs> I look, I, yeah, I heard about this fire festival on NPR of all places. Oh, really? Yeah. What, what's the deal? Oh my god, this blew up on social media late last week. Um, I'll give you the quick and low because it, people out there, you guys, most of you probably know about this, but it's hilarious. 
uh, and how bad it turned out. This is a music festival that some people set up uh, on an island in the Bahamas with tickets ranging from five to $50,000. And it was going to be an exclusive weekend of music on a private island with concierge service, glamorous huts, gla- fancy food, and, and partying nonstop. And when the people got there, it was there almost everything was unset up. There was almost nothing there. Bands canceled. People were stranded on the island, and became kind of kind of the the symbol of excess uh, gone wrong. Wait a minute. So the the event was not canceled up until it was, it was supposed canceled. to happen. Yeah. No, there are people on the island who oh flew there, God. paying thousands of dollars. Now they're being sued. Uh, it's like a hundred million dollar lawsuit. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but the photos that came out of social media. So they promoted this through social media. And that's how they got people to pay tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, to, their promo video was basically like if models on Instagram threw up into a YouTube video. That's right. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their downfall, the where uh, it was also through social media. Uh, all this word being spread. You know, I think BuzzFeed flew one of the reporters out there to report from the ground. And it looked like uh, a war zone. You know some of the some of the photos of the accommodations and the food and and just everything being just not set up and and uh, in ruin. I know it's a giant joke, but it it was just sad on some level. It was just sad. Yeah. Um, Incompetence. Yeah. On an inconceivable scale. Is I mean, yeah. the the Save. best read on it is in New York Magazine. One of the people hired to work on the festival, and and she wrote at the end, she's like, "Oh, they forgot to make me sign NDA." So she just wrote like oh very, ex, you know, in excruciating detail mm. what planning process looked like for this. There's a leaked pitch deck for how they got money for this festival, which is on I want to say Variety, and it is it, it's like cringeworthy. It's like right out of Silicon Valley. It's like like. So you guys watch Silicon Valley. Yep. So I'm going to type back in. Do you remember um, Ehrlich? You know, T.J. Miller's character, Ehrlich, how you ran that. You tried to have that uh, party on Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. It's like that on a different scale, but, but for real. And the sad thing is that people spent money on this and were really left out there to dry. So is someone running off with all the money? Or they spent it all somewhere. Yeah. They're supposed to give refunds to everybody. Messing I don't up. think that's going to happen. Yeah, good luck getting refunds. Tech news? Tech news. <laughs> So, Jeremy, imagine that music playing over and over again Mm. on a deserted island infested with bugs and you're running out of food and water. That's Fire Festival. All right. All right. Cool. What's what's out this week? Any new Yeah. So uh, two days ago, Microsoft, three days ago, Microsoft had an event in New York. This is their spring Surface announcement. And just prior to that, they announced some of their annual returns and reports for the past quarter. Uh, Surface had been an increasingly big part of their business, but they had sold fewer Surface computers last year at, toward the end of the year, I think because they didn't refresh their Surface Pro laptops. Uh, what they announced at this event is interesting because they announced a new piece of hardware and a new piece of software, uh, which are tied together. On the hardware side, they announced a Surface laptop. Yeah, a, a new Surface laptop. It's a brand new it's design. Act, well, for them, it's it is a laptop. It's different. It differentiates itself from the Surface Pro line and from the Surface Book line. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I would consider both of those laptops, 
the Surface Book especially, is a laptop, except the Surface Book has, and the Surface Pro have all of the internal computing parts of the computer uh, in underneath the screen. And so they can detach and become a replacement for your tablet. This is just a standard clamshell. It's a standard clamshell laptop yeah. that opens a little further than the Surface Book. It's apparently very light, 2.7 pounds, very thin. The keyboard has a soft touch like the uh, like a soft surface, mm-hmm. uh, much like the Surface Pro um, type keyboards. Looks like a fabric or something. Yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, it's a thousand dollars, so it runs a Core i5 or a i7. You can upgrade from four gigs to sixteen gigs of RAM, plenty of storage. So it's an ultrabook. You know, it's Microsoft's yeah, ultrabook. But it seems like ultrabooks now are pretty, plenty powerful. It, plenty powerful, but they don't mean what they used to mean. Totally, totally. I think ultrabooks kind of like the minimum standard. Um, and a lot of ultrabooks. It's interesting because a lot of ultrabook makers are going for hinged designs. Lenovo, Dell, um, even uh, the Porsche design one. They all have the the, the the flippable screen, um, or maybe even detachable screen, what Microsoft's made here, it's kind of like their Chromebook Pixel. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, still a thousand dollars, relatively expensive. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Start at it was it was a couple hundred dollars more than I thought it would be, um, so, because that's getting to like Apple level. Yeah, but it, this has touchscreen. Well, yes, I mean it's it's and works with their pen and their dial, uh, but you can't flip the screen over. You're not you're supposed to use it like I would use a laptop on Windows 10 with a touchscreen. But the idea is that you don't buy this to then turn it into a tablet. You can't right. flip the lap mm-hmm. the the, uh, the keyboard all the way around. It doesn't have a hinge that goes 360 or even 180 degrees or a detachable keyboard. Uh, it's a laptop, um, which again, there's plenty of people out there who are looking for that product. I think that the Surface Pro 4 is a plenty great product and still a good product if you want to buy uh, an Ultrabook that you can use and hold as a, like a tablet and use as a drawing device. Uh, this ergonomically is a little funkier as a drawing device because you, you have to hold the keyboard section while drawing on the screen section. So it's more like just a touch touch interface as opposed to the pen interface. This could, yeah. I was going to say that Windows 10S is intriguing. So that's the software aspect of this. This comes with Windows 10S, which is their their Chrome OS alternative. It's enclosed, locked down. Yeah, it only runs apps footprint. from their own store. It is. So this is kind of wow. like, but it's x86. So it harkens back to the Windows 8 uh, RT version. Remember that? Yeah. Where when Windows when the first Surface came out, that the it was there was a pro version in, in the Surface, and the original Microsoft Surface tablet slash laptop ran Windows RT, which was not x86 ARM based and only ran apps from the store. Now that you have universal Windows apps, which can run from the store, run on their their phones and on the desktop, and they're all x86 now, and they've done a lot of things in their library to make porting from the old ARM uh, apps to the uh, the x86 versions. It makes more sense to have a Windows 10 RT, which they're calling Windows 10 S. It's going to be a little more secure. It just seems artificial. It I does mean, it's to a, me too. Because you can spend $50 to unlock Windows well, regu- regular Windows. And that's, I think, how they get you. Because they've also locked themselves into Windows 10 is free a couple years ago. It's no longer free now. But for the first year of Windows 10, the upgrade was free if you had mm-hmm. Windows 7 or 8. They wanted people on the platform. Now they can't get away with Windows 10 is free. If you wanted to buy Windows 10 and buy an OEM copy, it's 100 bucks. So what they're getting away with now is selling computers with Windows 10 S built in, hmm. which they have the advantages of being siloed, uh, but limitations of the apps also being siloed and only from the Windows Store. You got to use their account, use their stuff. Pros and cons of that. 
But then if you want full Windows 10, which you can absolutely run on the Surface laptop, you have to pay 50 bucks or on any Windows 10s laptop. I still don't get the phone as part of the ecosystem. The phone is intended. No, don't think of the phone at all. Like, that's ridiculous. The phone is, they're not ready to do whatever they're going to do with the phone if they're going to do anything at all. I think it's a lost cause for them to try to fight for that mobile market. Uh, I think owning the productivity and PC market is something that they've uh, done a much better job at. And, you know, it's, I think the Surface Pro, you see the Surface Pro ads that came out, um, they're really anti iPad ads. They're for people who were buying MacBook Airs. Uh, for a thousand dollars, and the Surface Pros are so much better than the MacBook Airs. You know, Windows has come a long way, both interface-wise, and it's definitely been there in terms of the software. But design of this is beautiful, um, and I think they're going after students. Yeah, we met with uh, one hundred eighty-nine dollars student version of the of the laptop. $189 off. Uh, new, no, new Windows 10 education PC is starting at $189. They, right. co- they come with those Windows are X. like Chromebooks, right? right? But right. Those, this is not, that's not the yeah. Windows Surface laptop. That's no, 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 partner program. No, right, but it yeah. ships with the uh, 10s. Yeah. And so they're building, they built a slimmed down version of their OS that one is more secure and two is more limiting what you can do with it, but that's going to be their Chrome S alternative as opposed to coding something from scratch for ARM. Um, it's and x86 is great now. I mean, we've it's the the timing is right from a technology standpoint. That x86 three years ago was still lagging behind um, ARM in terms of power efficiencies and process. And now a lot of these low power, you know, Core M's and even Atom based chips. We had a um, a Core M Surface three that this replaces that model, the Surface three that I really liked as well. And with what they say, 14 hours of battery life. Yeah, that's good. On this 2.7 pound laptop. And they're saying that if you have it in sleep mode with Windows 10 S, you don't lose power by not using it. That's a big deal. Mm. That's my biggest complaint about Windows laptops today versus Mac laptops is the power battery life really not only still is slow when I'm doing stuff with it, um, like using Photoshop, it just drains the battery. But also when I have it in sleep mode or have it off at night, the battery drains as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those will be on sale, uh, pre-order, I think, later this month. They're actually in Microsoft stores now, if you want to check them out. Um, we had our reporter, Daniel Falconer, uh, visit his Microsoft store and check that out. So there's a write-up on Tested about Ooh. that as well. Acer announced some new stuff, too. Yeah. They well, announced a um, a gaming laptop uh, that is $3,000. <laughs> uh, competitor to that Razer laptop that came out. Uh, it looks great. I'm just laughing at a $3,000 laptop, even though it's, it's pretty powerful. They also announced... Um, two different monitors, 4K HDR running 144 hertz norm. Dang, 4K HDR, 144 hertz. These are all checkpoints, sweet spots that I want in my my gaming monitor. They also have a curved one, which I'm kind of like, yeah, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They also announced, oddly, a smartwatch, which was kind of intriguing. And The Verge wrote an uh, interesting story about it. And uh, it's based off of, you know, Android Wear. And I've liked the new Android Wear, but they highlight um, a problem that this Acer watch is one of the only watches to do anything about and that it has an integrated flashlight into it. An LED on the on the bezel. Yeah. Aiming, if you wear a watch, this is aiming toward your, um, your uh, the back of your hand. It's a great idea. This is a fantastic idea. Because it's always on my wrist, right? And now I can point it wherever I want. It's so much easier to turn on 
Uh, and I've tried to use my watch in that way as just like a low light illumination to like look for something yep. under the bed or, you know, whatever. I, I think it goes, and the watch is called the Leapware smartwatch, where W-A-R-E and not W-E-A-R, which I think is an interesting differentiation, not just for the branding of it. But when we think of wearables, you know, the market for wearables, people talk about how it really hasn't hit that potential. It hasn't changed how we interact Computing-wise, the way smartphones change how we interact with computers. You know, smartphones are ubiquitous. Wearables, smart wearables, how, whatever they are, are far from ubiquitous. Even Apple making the Apple Watch and Google partnering with its partners for Android Wear, um, and that's because no one's figure out the like the killer app, the essential thing that we need wearables for. Is it health? I think Apple's Play is definitely health. Uh, people thought it was notifications to begin, and that's a, for a lot of people. That's how I use my smartwatch is notifications. But I can also have notifications on my phone. It's not essential. It's not, it doesn't change my life dramatically. Um, and the other argument is uh, it's uh, your digital assistant. As services like Cortana, Siri, Alexa become smarter and become faster response and as hardware gets better where they can detect your voices, then your watch becoming your interface point for these smart devices or for these smart assistants um, hmm. becomes more of an essential part of how you interact with your computers. I wonder if Apple doesn't hope that the AirPods become that. You know, well, that's I think that's absolutely what they similar are. to her how everyone in that movie was just wearing an earbud. And that company here one um, has the, the 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 wireless earbuds that also. Um, do voice can do voice translation and turn down external audio. Right. It's these extra features. Um, the benefit, the natural benefit of a wearable is that it's always going to be on you at all times. Your smartphone is like the DSLR, where you carry it with you, but you put it in. You know, the bar, smartphones are bigger. Your five point five inch phone, you put it in your purse, you put it in your bag, right? You put it in your back pocket. Your wearable is your point and shoot. You know, just like how smartphones killed the point and shoot camera. Wearables will take away some of that fu- needed functionality of the big screen if you don't need the big screen for whatever that feature is. And if you're talking about a voice interface, you don't need a screen for a voice interface. Um, so that's, I think you're absolutely right that the future generations of the AirPods will have more of these smart features built in, and they're only getting them into people's hands now as a Bluetooth headset as the, the, the way to sneak, sneak it in. It's just like how the iPhone having visual voicemail was the entry point because it was better than any other phone out there, cell phone. But people don't buy iPhones as cell phones. They buy iPhones as computers. People are buying AirPods now as headphones, but in three, five years, they'll be buying AirPods as computers. Mm. Now, that goes back to this watch. I just can't imagine that given my experience with the AirPods so far. Really? You have them? No. You don't I've, have an iPhone. I, no, I have, I've had um, friends that have them. And what what them is on. your experience? I, I thought they didn't fit well um, in my ear and I don't think they sounded great. And I think those are two pretty critical things Yeah. Um, to it. And, and even though it, like the, the box itself was neat and the, and the pairing, I kind of like, it was a novelty. It wasn't actually as functional as I wanted it to be. Critics have not been overwhelmingly in favor of it, but it's gotten great customer reviews. And there was, yeah. a, there was an interesting survey that um, TechPinions did where they found that AirPod owners, everyone they could find did, did the survey, 98% said they were very satisfied or satisfied, and 82% that said they were definitely very satisfied. 
Now, that's really that high. sounds high, and it is in that that's higher than the iPhone when that launched in 2007 as a first-gen product. What? Yeah. Well, we don't remember that initial <laughs> iPhone. I well, do. I remember the day. Well, I mean, but the user experience, do you remember how lo- slow things were didn't to load, matter. like yeah, web browsing? The, the other thing they said was they in the survey, and these are marketing surveys, very common surveys done, uh, what they're interested in is something called a net promoter score, an NPS. And the net promoter score ranks or values a product, uh, it judges how much the consumer would want to recommend this product to their friends. And it applies to anything, not just things you, not just electronics. You right. know? It applies to movies? food, movies, okay. magazines, podcasts, videos. Right. Like how much would you want to, how likely are you to recommend this? Yeah. And the net promoter score for the AirPods mm-hmm. is in the top 1% of products. Um, they had a net promoter score of 75 and the iPhone's NPS mm-hmm. is 72. You know, I just, I don't know what's going on with earbuds. I, I think there is a matter of taste that's just, I, I, and you have to factor in consideration. The I don't brand. then with the, with the mass market. I, I need comfortable, soft earbuds. I yeah. just need that. I need that tight seal. I don't want to hear anything mm-hmm. from the real world and I want to wear them comfortably and I need a full range of sound. Now the NPS score doesn't exactly, it corresponds, but doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, it's it's a correlation, but it does it doesn't actually indicate quality because a product can have a high net promoter score if people recommend it because they feel like it's a great brand, hmm. not just because it's a great product. Sure, those right. things are correlated, but it's not like it's not because the AirPods are the best sounding headphones. Mm-hmm. It's because people who have them feel like they're it, very well, special. Or the, the Apple fanboys that are never going to move away from Apple. Exactly. Are them, so. Exactly. It's the Rotten Tomatoes problem. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but back to the the watch. You want to get back to the watch? No, I, I do because wearables are kind of struggling right now, yeah. and it's going to be a while, I think, before we get to that find that killer app or that killer utility um, of the uh, whatever the headphone or the watch you wear. But by adding a light onto this Acer watch and other smartwatches, you are actually adding real literal utility. You're making it your your everyday carry, your Swiss Army knife of uh, it, on your wrist. Mm-hmm. I've actually, I feel like it's moving forward pretty rapidly. And I think the the place it needs to iterate is more on the style side of things. I mean, a watch is a fashion accessory. I know people are focused on the utility of it, but I don't think it's gotten to the point where they look that great yet. And a lot of that's limited by how much battery they want to put in. Exactly. What type of displays they can put in there. And hopefully that stuff will change over time. Exactly. I think we'll get there on that. We're skipping over the big news story of the week. Let me share it to you in a Google Doc. Hang on a second. Uh, oh. Don't don't click it. Don't click it. Oh, God, I clicked it. Oh, no. Sorry, we have all your passwords now. <laughs> uh, this happened uh, yesterday. There was a massive Google Doc phishing scam um, that went around where an email was sent to people. I, so I got it. I don't know if you guys got it. I didn't get it, and I feel left out. Oh, you totally are left out. What's your email? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where uh, it said, you know, this person has shared a doc with you and you clicked it and then it, w- it popped up to a page that looked like a Google authentication page. Like click OK to receive the shared doc from Google Docs. And people click that, well, you might have been fished. Um, thankfully, through social media, word went around to not click it. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of the early people who got those, I think it was such a clever way for them to hide their phishing scam, and they got away with 
making their Google app that fished your your stamp look like actual Google Docs. The fact that they, they could call their app Google Docs. So if you hovered, if you mouse over the link, it actually looked legit. And the fact that when you clicked it, it had a landing page that looked legit. Oh. Yeah, you know what's funny is most of the phishing scams, it's that their landing pages look horrible. Like there's typos in them and stuff. Yeah, graphics are strangely They're, skewed yeah. and compressed. Yeah, so this is one of those that it wasn't that way for hmm. once, and I think that's why it captured so many people. Uh, it's a relatively easy fix. I mean, two-factor. Come on, everybody. And the way they fished it isn't by installing software. It was granting this yeah. malicious app permissions Permission. in your Google account. So it was using Google's own own system, like how you can grant. Like when we went back to why I didn't get that baby Groot, because I don't trust granting my Twitter access or any of my app access yeah. to third-party services, promotional things that I don't know. I hate that. I hate that when I sign up for so many online accounts, you see that allowed them to see your contacts, allow them to see your Facebook stuff and post messages for you. No way. Why would I ever want to do that? I don't understand. I mean, there's nothing Google can do about this, though, because they can't just turn off those features. Lots of people rely on those features. But they can make it difficult for people to make those features look like official Google things. They can. By not letting you use the Google Doc logo and and, and name for your for your service, like that should be like a, a blacklisted thing. Um, I guess I need to see what it looked like. That's interesting. I'll send you an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Hulu announced uh, some new TV services this week. Hulu TV Beta. I was excited about this when this first was announced. Um, As partially a because cord cutter. Yeah, I'm 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 a aspiring cord cutter and i was excited about this because the packages they had included sports packages um, but also hulu's ubiquitous on multiple platforms so it's on my roku it's on my phone it's on my desktop um you know works with chromecast all you know works with a large ecosystem and then i saw the price it was supposed to be sub 40 dollars, and it came out to be 42 or 48 i think it's 42 is what it came out to be, which is just too much. How much is YouTube? Uh, the YouTube TV is 35. Yeah. For fewer channels though, right? Yeah, but not many fewer. Like this has Fox News and Viceland. I think those that's it. That was the only difference between those two. Actually, I think YouTube TV has those as well. It uh, doesn't have Viceland. Um, but I didn't see this huge difference between their channel lineups. Um, and so this is really about, do I like the interface better and do I like where I can access the content better? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny as somebody that has Comcast that I'm quibbling over like seven bucks given how much Comcast is. But, um, honestly, that's the game we're in. That's the fight between these, these services and And interface wise. That's, that's, I mean, yes. When you're talking about the promise of a la carte ordering, Seven bucks does matter because that's seven bucks I could use to then bundle in stars or HBO later or do do a separate account because it's a la carte. The weird death nail on these services uh, to me is that like Hulu says, you know, for that price, you can have 50 hours of cloud DVR storage. Why? Why 50? Like, why is it like it's so arbitrary? And that is the cheapest thing they have to offer is cloud DVR space. You know, speaking of arbitrary limitations and frustrating service options. I've been trying to switch from AT&T to Verizon. Uh, unlimited. I pay way too much for my cell phone service. Being grandfathered in to an unlimited data plan 
like through AT&T or Singular, whenever when the iPhone came out, used to be like a point of pride, a great thing. Now it's the worst thing. Now that Unlimited's back everywhere. Jeremy, I hope you switch, right? Uh, I actually switched to one of their other plans. I was thinking about that because it's cheaper. It and is, we, and it was less data than we were than we were using. And it was a family plan. Or no, sorry, it was more data than we were using. Yeah, and it's family plan plus it has the um, uh, the access point sharing. So, I bet you did the AT and T Unlimited Plus. No, no, no. It was just I forget what they call their their other plans. It's not even there is a cap. Got it. Um, both AT and T and Verizon, the big two networks in the U.S., have unlimited plans right now, and AT and T. I have to say, is screwing people out of... It's, their unlimited plan isn't really unlimited. Not only... Both these services have like actual right. caps where they will cap your speed if, if uh, you go over 22 gigs a month. Um, but they're going to nickel and dime you in little ways. Uh, for example, on AT&T, they actually have two unlimited plans right now. One is a more limited unlimited plan in terms of actual bandwidth. Three megabytes per second max which on mobile LTE might as well not have LTE megabits. Sorry, three megabits per second. And I mean, this go, you're, you're paying the difference like 20 bucks, but they will cap your streaming. So you can't get HD streaming for any service and you still have a cap and you get no tethering. Of course, uh, it'll make you pay additional for that. Now, if you, if you get upsold and Beth get their better unlimited plan, mm-hmm. you get their quote unquote fastest speeds, which on AT&T it's, it's pretty fast. But streaming, you only get HD streaming when you manually turn off stream saver functionality, which I think by default is turned on. So they're already capping your speeds when streaming video because that's what they know Ooh. people are going to be using most of. Um, and then that's the only plan that you get um, You get uh, tethering. And then their international options are not great, but that's a whole other discussion. So I've been trying to switch over to Verizon. AT&T is making it extremely difficult um, to even unlock my phone, my 6S, and of course, anyone who has iPhone 7 knows that if you bought an iPhone 7 from AT&T versus Verizon, they're actually different modem chips on the inside. On the, uh, on the iPhone 7, the Verizon one, you can do CDMA and GSM. On the AT&T one, they use a different chip radio provider and only do GSM and not CDMA. Very disappointing. Well, That's my little rant. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, last week was Ted, speaking of first world problems. These Any, are first world solutions. Any first world solutions come out of there? Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? Let's make that a thing. First world solutions. We have, we have you, we, in this room, we have a lot of first world problems. So like, thing, what's worse than having first world problems? Having first world solutions. So like using my smartwatch to find the thing I dropped under my bed. Or thinking you can, yeah, first world solution. Yeah. Or have, or, or think you can save congestion by be, building underground tunnels for your, for your cars. Wait, what? That's a first world solution I've ever we heard of. We talked one. about this months ago, but now we have the video. Oh my goodness. So Elon Musk was at TED. Ah, oh, these Elon shower thoughts. No, but he didn't do a stand-up 20-minute talk. He did a nice little interview with Uncle Chris. Yeah, Chris Anderson, the guy who runs, uh, runs TED. Um, he elaborated on his boring machine idea. Now, this originally came out as a tweet he had had while riding his maybe, probably self-driving car. We're not going to we're not gonna med- meditate on the name of that company? The Boring boring Company? It's fucking brilliant. Don't, don't get so caught up on marketing, Jeremy. I love that. <laughs> I love this. I have a boring idea. Literally. It's uh, about okay, boring. Fine. I thought it was great. I think it's... It, yes. I acknowledge. That is clever. The Boring Company. But it turns out that it's a fully fleshed idea in his head that he thinks he could solve traffic congestion 
by building, as opposed to additional freeways, building a system of tunnels underground that you would drive your Tesla or other car into and have it sit on a carriage, which would then move at 125 miles per hour to get you from... it's, it's It's like Futurama, except for people, it's for cars, and it's underground. Sounds great. No, it doesn't. No, it sounds fantastic. It just sounds really, really expensive and impossible. I just wonder if he's been watching too many like comic book movies where there's underground tunnels everywhere that are always abandoned <laughs> and available to get uh, from point the turtles, A to point right? A. Yeah. He lives in LA. I, I imagine that drive that traffic would drive anyone to imagine a number of scenarios that would be an improvement. I, I mean, you know, what he's freaking Elon Musk, man. You're gonna say that it's not possible this could happen? No, I'm saying it's important. It's not possible. Yeah, I'm saying it's not possible. I think, I mean, he lays out the, what he thinks are the the logical progressions. You need machines that can, can bore underground and be, and create tunnels efficiently and safely and reinforce them and do it fast. And that's not cheap. Anyone who's followed the New York city underground tunnel construction knows that, especially in any urban area. Did you watch his talk? Because uh, he addresses that. Oh, I know. Okay. And he thinks that they can get these machines that, no, you can't. It's a much were difficult, there, pro- more difficult problem. Were there any references to the Oceans movie in his talk is, <laughs> as a solution? Create an earthquake underground. <laughs> yeah, to, to destabilize a casino. He's really an evil genius. Now, here, here's the one upside to this, I think. The technologies that he's talking about researching and developing for creating more efficient machines, autonomous machines to create tunnel tunneling, mm-hmm. right? That is technology that directly applies to space mining. <laughs> okay. All right. And you're going beyond the TED Talk. No, no, no. It, it, I, um, like companies like Planetary Resources, right? Yeah. You know, eventually the way we're going to get real space exploration in a real practical sense is by mining water from asteroids this around is- the Earth and building autonomous robots. It's it's like seven eaves. You get the robots to build the robots to build the things, and then you get this hockey curve, uh, ho- uh, hockey stick curve of robots in space building fuel depots and carry. And all we have to worry about is getting our cargo and our people out of out into low Earth orbit. So this is totally spot on. Yes. Yes. We like there are, there are uh, companies and plans to take asteroids, capture them, put them in Earth orbit so that we can mine them for minerals because mainly the crux of this idea is water is really heavy. And so we need sources of material that are already in space. Water and fuel. Yes. And when you can, when there are so many asteroids out there with various minerals and resources that can get mined by robots, the making of those robots, how do you mine an asteroid? That is a tough question. The solving of that is going to happen here on the ground today with the solving of some practical solutions like autonomous cars. Building autonomous car systems allows us to refine the algorithms that eventually will live in the computer vision systems of the robots mining asteroids. I can't handle it in the shower, in the Elon shower. It's like, it's totally ridiculous. First world solutions. I, I love it. First world shower. solutions. It's great. You want to join I, Elon in the shower for some thoughts? Well, maybe like the locker room. <laughs> you know, what, what I could imagine this becoming is shorter one-way or two-way um, transits between major you know, inter, uh, metropolitan intersections. Like, so that's a hyperloop. Downtown. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the hyperloop, but underground. Yeah. So like they're talking about uh, the Hyperloop would be would have been a great solution for San Francisco to LA. I could see a tunnel like, you know, from I don't know, uh 
uh, Santa Barbara to SFO, or not SFO, but LAX, something like that, you know? Some, somewhere that's just a major spot to another major spot, underground, make it happen. It, I think it's interesting from the perspective of freight. And because if you take all of the trucks that our infrastructure depends on, which puts the weight on our interstate system, it's not really Norm driving up and down from LA that's causing the problem. Uh, and put it's that semis in a passing semis yeah. really poorly. Yeah, I mean uh, the 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 it, shower thought that in the pitch he has of autonomous, um, f- autonomous semi trucks, that one hundred percent on board for. Yeah, and I think that is. I mean, you use, even in the movie like Logan, and you had those. I was like, that's a real thing. I'm looking forward to that. And that system of autonomous fairing of of um of cargo. They're also on board this. They're on track this year to drive have a car autonomously drive across the entire country. Before the end of 2017, nice. A Model S will drive from LA to New York with someone behind the wheel, yeah. but not doing anything. Hmm. Twitch live stream. <laughs> Twitch awesome. live stream. Mario Kart Eight. Cassette records. All the way. If you had a, if you had 30 minutes to have a conversation with Elon Musk, what would you ask him about? 30 minutes. I don't know. The, the length of a long lunch. I don't know. Is it weird that I, like, I really, I kind of don't want to, I feel like that would be weird. Uh, my initial reaction is, uh, no, okay. What, what about uh, 30 minutes with Tim Cook? Oh, Tim Cook, I would ask, like, come on, what's the deal with the headphone jack? Yeah. Um, I, see, that's why I wanted to talk about this news, is because for that question. What, you can actually do this? Yeah, you can actually do that. It, it, as you have been able to for the past several years, if you have the money, you can uh, bid on an auction item, which is lunch with Tim Cook. Is this like a charity thing? Yeah. Tell me it's a charity now, thing. Of course, it's, yeah. In the past, it's gone for as much as, what, like 600000 Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a picture, picture idea. It's That's... only valued at 100000 But yeah. people have paid more than that. His yeah. time is valued at $100,000 for lunch? <laughs> I don't know. Damn. The, this, this is like the new, the 21st century, it, it, would Bill Gates pick up a penny? No. Would yeah. Tim Cook have lunch with you for 100000 Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, part of me thinks I, I would like to have to have that lunch and and actually have a nice talk with him, challenging about, you know, is he is now, he is he good for Apple or not? But I'm not sure he would be like very objective about that, and he wouldn't take my opinions as anything worth anything because he doesn't know me. There's only 11 days left, plenty of time, by the way. 12 people have bid. 125 thousand dollars is the max bid right now. Yeah. Is there enough time for us to create an Indiegogo slash Kickstarter campaign? to raise the funds to hit that max bid. I'm only in if we can take him somewhere really hilarious. No, lunch. food's on him. Yeah. Yeah, he he food brings, and travel. It's actually at for. the new Apple campus. Oh. Oh. Wow. That's interesting. Cuz I was going <laughs> to say like exclusive. I kind of want to take him to a subway and see what he <laughs> thinks. But wow, new Apple campus. That's cool. Like I uh I've seen shots of it from from planes flying in recently. It looks the fine, you got the fine print is what you got to read. You can bring one guest. Oh, yeah, that that's weird. Who would you bring? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody, because they're gonna. It's such an expensive experience. You don't want them to take away. No, they got like fifty percent of the talk time, and you no. lose the chemistry. No, one on one, just me and Tim, and we got to get real. We got to talk about. <laughs> you guys talk about headphone jacks. Seriously, yeah. You got, you got to talk about the the watch. Oh yeah, I want to know what's talk going about why on. Why Siri sucks so uh, much? Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I want real answers from the guy. Mm. That's what I want. 
We got to blast through some stories. All right. Well, we expect uh, you can ask him about the new iPhone too, but I don't think he's going to tell you much. But along with a new iPhone, which we expect to be announced at the end of this year, maybe in the September timeframe, the other big rumor for Apple is that they're going to launch a payment service uh, akin to Venmo. I think they're way past overdue for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Last year was probably the right time to do it, Um, but it's not too late. And I think it would be a welcome feature uh, for Apple users, especially now that Touch ID is based on every single iPhone device and laptops too. And then you can put like Apple stickers in your message. No, let's not, let's not encourage that. Although I guess, do people, like they made iMessage just a big deal of the last version of iOS. I don't know anyone who uses the fancy iMessage, you know, balloons or laser light show um, effects anymore. Oh, I like or this. The, you like, but you no, actually birthdays, use them? people's birthdays. I, I do those all the time. I mean, people use uh, the best thing about iMessage they did was allow you to in, uh, install third party apps yep. and, and do things like Bitmoji. And that's, I'm sure, used a ton. Uh, but Venmo like features, payment to payment. I think there was a report that said that Apple Pay is probably a little more disappointing than people thought. Um, that credit card companies aren't making a lot of money from them because. The infrastructure isn't set up. It's still hit and miss when you go to a store and whether something like Apple Pay and even when you see those it's still socially assigned, weird too. I love doing it. Like Trader Joe's, I, I do it as often as possible. I feel I, like it's totally normal now, at least in San Francisco. I, I hate taking out a credit card. I, I don't use my watch to do it. I, I, I use the phone. Mm-hmm. I take out the phone, hold the thumb, pay for pay for gas even. Uh, but oh, pay for gas. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Uh, but I think people are moving past that type of economy of, you know, plenty of people will still go to Walgreens and, and buy stuff and go to Target and buy things in Safeway. But increasingly, a lot of it is person-to-person transactions and streamlining that, making it way more efficient than a service like PayPal or Venmo is right up Apple's alley. God. It sounds like a first world problem to me. I mean, it's a first world solution. Paying somebody with PayPal is easier than Ever before. No, no, no. It is so stupidly easy. Paying people with PayPal, you still have to move from PayPal to the bank. Paying people... What are you talking for, about? You it's, to, like, it's automatic. Like it's all set up. When I when I go to pay you, I just say, you pay from my bank account. From bank account. But then it yeah. goes to my PayPal account. And then for me to have that in my bank, yeah. I got to go manually Man, move things over I got to click bank. it in my bank account. Well, you gotta, You remember that um, story we did uh, either last week or two weeks ago about the guy that built his own iPhone in Shenzhen? Yeah. yeah. And he talks in, the, in that about using his chat app to pay everyone mm. where he goes. I mean, that's just sort of default in China. Yeah. And I think what we, what I, I'm referring, what I think is interesting is that integration where yeah. it's just part of texting. Yes. And which is something that Square tried to do with Square Cash. There was a Square Cash app, but they tried to make paying people and Google, same thing, part of email. You email people right. um, with the, the, in the subject line who you're paying mm-hmm. or how much, how much you want to pay them. And that automatically taps in your bank account. Building that in, uh, making payment to payment transactional things part of like some type of um, part of communication or social network seems to be like an effective thing right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the thing it's you have to gate the people who are doing it commercially from the people who are just doing it to exchange money with their friends. Yeah, on PayPal, it's almost an honor code. You know, it's like if I I click one or the other. If I pay you money, I either pay no fees or I pay fees depending on which. Well, fees you get protection. Yeah, purchasing protection. Yeah, fine. But the person receiving the money receives less money. Yeah, I mean, depending on the amount of the transfer, you might forego the protection. Yeah, in order to get that three percent back. Uh, there's some Alexa news. 
Oh, yeah? So Echo can now whisper at you, oh. and you can whisper back sweet nothings in, all, in our, our girl's <laughs> ear. And change its pitch. Yeah, change she, its pitch and tone. Yeah. And uh, she can uh, well, she can also bleep now. So if, Bleep the language that goes around my like, house. That's not automatic. For some, I don't know why this is a big deal, but like it's, as a programmer, you can put in like bleep this word and she'll bleep it. You know, functionally, this doesn't make a huge difference to me. Here's an example of the whisper. Oh. This is disturbing. Yeah, this I don't is super, like this. I don't like this at I don't all. Like it at all, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, this is not her. No, no, right. no. no. This, this is the her. Black Mirror version. But you know what? I have I have an Echo Dot in my bedroom. Guess what trick I'm playing on my wife tonight? You know what's cool is that they can um, now insert audio bites into pre uh, prefab responses. So I don't know if you guys have ever tried the Jeopardy skill. It's a good one. You just go tell your device to enable the Jeopardy skill. You can play this every day. It's a new game based on last night's uh, Jeopardy program. And it'll play the auto bite. It'll play like the Jeopardy theme song. And then before every question, it'll go bling, bling. Just like the, it'll oh, play the great. actual sound effects. So I don't know if they got special permission for that skill because that's been around for a while. But now anybody can do that. So now I imagine a lot of the custom games and stuff will sound a lot better. All right, we got to switch to some games. All right. Fire um, through it. Nintendo, got a little bit of Nintendo news. It's relevant again. I got a switch, Jeremy. You got a switch. You got a sure? What? What? Uh, a what? Now I haven't oh, heard of this. Uh, Nintendo reported that they have they vastly underestimated. Is this any surprise? Underestimated how popular the switch would be. They you forecast mean they intentionally underestimated. How not popular. to the tune of to the tune of seven hundred thousand units. They originally forecasted two million units, and now they've already sold two point seven four million units. Uh, which is why it's so hard to find. Interestingly enough, they sold a full 20,000 more units of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch than number of Nintendo Switches sold. Yeah, that makes no that, sense. They have a more than <laughs> 100% attach rate for Zelda Breath of the Wild. Huh. That is insane. That's weird. It's like, remember when, when Doom came out, like there were more people playing Doom than there were copies sold? Yeah, this, that was a piracy problem. That was, yeah, this is a weird. Yeah, this like, is for sale. This is a weird overpurchasing problem. Is this just about licking cartridges? What is this? I think <laughs> yeah, right. there's definitely a case where people bought the game and then maybe bought the digital version once they didn't want to change cartridges out. That's excessive, uh, but also they credit it to people buying the game and not having a switch. They could buy the game on Amazon or something, yeah. but they don't have a switch yet, so they're waiting until their switches are available, or people buying multiple copies because there's a collector's edition and they wanted to collect it all. To the tune of 20,000, that's a whole lot of units. Yeah. Uh, Switch sales also doubled in the past week because of the release of Mario Kart 8. And it's got to say, if you had not owned a Wii U, get this game. It, it's so awesome. Oh, that's great. You like the battle mode? Uh, I, not as much as I like just having um, the, the multiplayer setup and having being able to play hmm. two people on one portable console versus 10 other people around the world. Wait, you don't actually play two people on the same tiny screen, do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you can, but wouldn't you? You do? When I'm in, on the go. Really? There are a bunch of multi permutations of how multiplayer too can small? work. Well, you, you sit close. Right. No, I gotcha. The All controllers right. are too small. I agree. Yeah. I, and I have a pro controller to solve that. Hmm. Um, but there are a lot of permutations over how people can play multiplayer. You can have local Wi-Fi. Yeah. So you have a Switch and I have a Switch, and we can both have two people on each of those switches and play four players without even connecting to the internet. 
uh, or um, the four two, with two switches. One can be plugged into a TV. One can be just yeah. using the screen, and yeah. you can all connect to the internet and play mm-hmm. with random people around the world or friends around the world. Um, it just fulfills that promise of set top quality gaming. The fun of that, but and taking it anywhere. There you go. There's your box cover shout out. Yeah. Uh, makes me wonder how many people are going to want to buy the new Nintendo console coming out this year, which is the Nintendo 2DS XL. Wait, we didn't cover this last week? No. I don't know. This to me is not, not a big deal. And people, I don't know why people, it's a 3DS XL without the 3D functionality, right? Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. That's, that's exactly So it. if you're the most, like most people, you leave the 3D turned off all the time. The screen resolution isn't much improved. You save some it's, money. But I mean, who doesn't already own a 3DS XL? I don't have a 3DS XL because I don't play 3DS games. Yeah, but you're not going to buy this then either. Then I'm not going to buy it either. Exactly. That's, that's what I wonder. I don't yeah. Know. It's 150 bucks and it'll be out at the end of July. It's cheaper than 3DS XL by uh, seven, uh, 50 bucks. All right. And more exp- uh, more expensive than the small, the regular 2DS. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a couple space stories. Uh, space tech. Because SpaceX, oh, we should have done this in the shower. So, um, SpaceX announced a initiative to surround the Earth with 4,000 satellites to provide satellite-based internet. Yeah, I think they announced this last year. They announced it last year, and then the plans are but going. a few forward. more details have come out yeah. now, right? And they're going to all be launched into low Earth orbit. Is mm-hmm. that a surprise? No. And the GPS satellites are above that. But are, are, are there other internet satellite providers in low Earth orbit? I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. I don't know either. But that's like they're saying that's their speed advantage. Yeah, because you have to, like, the closer you are. Right, exactly. It yeah. still it still su- surprises me. They're saying fiber-like, fiber-optic-like speeds. Bandwidth, not latency. So you're saying the, the video gaming would still be difficult, yeah. but downloading a movie, no problem. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one other space news, Virgin Galactic um, has been testing uh, their VSS Unity, which is their low earth orbit, you know, or suborbital, suborbital, um, ship. And they've been doing these glide flights up until uh, a few days ago when they did their first feather test, which is where the wings on this go vertical. Uh, and, uh, as part of its re-entry to reduce the heat stress on the actual, um, uh, on the actual ship, and then it folds back down to horizontal once the air has gotten thick enough. Transformers. Yeah, it's awesome. pretty wild. All right, uh, that's it for tech news. And before we move to our next segment, I do want to thank the sponsor of this week's episode. And again, that is Squarespace. Uh, whatever your next big idea is, count on Squarespace to help you make an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Um, whatever, whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, Squarespace has award-winning templates, and making a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process, drag and drop, clicking, no coding required, nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Uh, think, and they also have 24-7 customer support, which you can think of as your own IT department. So go uh, make your next move at squarespace.com, and you can start a free trial. Use the offer code TEST, T-E-S-T, and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, 
That's TESS as the offer code, which helps support us and lets us continue in this podcast. Now it's time for a moment of science. So today in the United States, the House of Representatives uh, repealed um, the ACA, otherwise known as Obamacare, and approved a replacement plan. And regardless of your feelings on it, um, uh, there's been a lot of people spouting off a lot of data about either projections or what we know about the ACA or what the replacement, the ACHA, will do. And I just wanted to, off the top, remind people of how few studies have actually come out on Obamacare. And essentially, there's there's obviously nothing on its replacement. Um, and there's a few that I'll, I'll put links to the show notes in. Uh, so that when you're actually, if, if this is a conversation at, at your dinner table, uh, just to remind you of of what we've been, what we know at least from a scientific study perspective, and the, there's only a couple out there. There's a um, there's an economist um, uh, in public health at the Harvard School of Public Health that has done a lot of analysis of how states have implemented the the ACA program and how that affected low income minority enrollment in it. Uh, his name's Ben Summers. It's been pretty interesting to see, depending on where you live, how that's impacted all of these these low-income minorities, which this plan was really designed for, how it affected enrollment. Uh, and then uh, a survey out of Indiana really looked at, did any of the these um, uh, interventions for low-income people having healthcare actually improve outcomes? And the data shows very minor self-reported improvement in outcomes like in terms of like health quality for these that uh for these people that are on healthcare but this is just over a short time period and really the caution is that we don't know like all these projections all putting aside the economic projections from a health and science side of things there just hasn't been enough time implemented to actually measure whether having insurance over this short time period is having quantitative results on people's health so just be wary um, of the information that's being uh, put out there. On to something new. There is an eclipse coming. Mm. August 21st, uh, it's going across a majority of the United States, starting in Oregon and sort of sliding across the United States through Wyoming and, and on down through. A lot of people are going eclipse chasing. I've never actually seen a total eclipse myself. Have either of you? Yes. You have? Yes. Of the heart? No. Oh. Yeah, it was when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it magical? Was it like life changing? Uh, well, moment? I think when you're a kid, it's, you know, you don't appreciate things quite so much, but I, I made a pinhole camera, what, not a camera, pinhole viewfinder, whatever you mm-hmm. call it. And I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Is there a resource you can go if people want to make and book travel arrangements and accommodations to go spotting and chasing? I think almost everywhere that, um, that I've seen is sold out. Wow. Uh, especially in Oregon and Wyoming. Um, I know less about some of the East coast spots. Um, what I wanted to highlight, though, which is funny, is that we've made such a switch to solar power in some of the areas, especially Oregon, where it's crossing over, that uh, local energy has to account for the dip in electricity that the eclipse is going to cause. That's funny. <laughs> because it's happening in the middle of the day, and it causes this like huge dip in load, um, and they have to like spiral up other resources to account for an eclipse. And mm-hmm. it was one of the best stories I <laughs> this week on science. 
What do you know how wide the diameter of an eclipse shadow is? Uh, it's uh, uh, like a hundred, hundred fifty miles across. Maybe a little more than that. Not that big. Um, yeah, but it's not that big. Yeah. Um, the could you spot it from an airplane? Yeah, there Probably are like people. if you look down, you could see the shadow. That's interesting. Oh, I don't know about that. That's interesting, right? Or at least the edge of it. There's moving. people that definitely are on flights booked to check out the eclipse. How long know. can you chase it for? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, how, how fast does it move? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, welcome to the I don't know portion. <laughs> podcast. like the, hey, I forgot to look up anything about this eclipse except where it's happening. Uh, there are a lot of uh, sites about it. I'll put some links and I'll answer these questions in the show notes. I just want to point out that you can see a new moon from anywhere as long as you're facing the moon at nighttime, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? That's, that's, isn't that a lunar eclipse? It, it, right? It's when, right? It's the lunar eclipse is a much, much bigger that's the thing. footprint. Yeah. That's the thing. And so is like the shadow of the earth on the, almost the exact same diameter as the moon is? You know what I mean? So it's like, that's why everyone on earth sees the... Sees that yeah, but I don't know if like from an airplane when you're thirty five thousand feet, yeah, up, it might be too low. If you can actually low. see like that shadow, no, no, I'm beyond that question. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right, continue. All right, uh, a couple other quick stories. You might remember a month or two ago, I brought out a map of Antarctica oh. and I drew on it. So sorry, oh, audio no. listeners, but there's a little finger off the side of Antarctica, and I drew this little red line to indicate an area where a crack was forming. Oh, yeah. Uh, through the Larsen C, as in the letter C, shelf. Um, and that crack, we got an update from researchers down there. It's winter in Antarctica, which makes it really hard to track this right now. But that crack has turned northward towards the open ocean. And it, it's moving at a really rapid rate. Um, so this part that is the size of Rhode Island or Delaware is going to cleave off pretty soon if it mm. keeps going at, at that rate. Um, fundamentally, this means the the um, just the ecosystem of Antarctica is going to change. When some like a piece the size of Delaware falls off of it, it's going to change um, pretty dramatically. I haven't seen many stories about this. This is a really big deal that that crack changed direction. Um, so I'll put a link to... In a good to, way or a bad way, when it moves north, does that mean that it's smaller than previous expected? If it was moving west, it'd be bigger. No, I mean, it's not that it's uh, it's good or bad. I mean, it's a progression of what was what we've already known. And there's problems with this. Like, as soon as it cleaves off, ocean water will come in. That'll accelerate the melting of the glaciers that are on top of that area. That's bad. But the fact that it's just accelerating and it's turned north, um, it just means bad sooner more likely, but it, it's not sort of an overall uh, change in terms of the the information. Okay. Did you hear, on the Antarctica note, did you hear that Tinder made their first connection in Antarctica? It's true. No, this is not a joke. First world solution. Yeah, why? Or maybe not. First. <laughs> what, what's Antarctica? Yeah, so that was interesting. I just wanted to point that out. That was an interesting news bit that I saw that was related to Antarctica. Fair enough. I'm going to put a couple links in the, in the show notes that are, are crucial. A cuttlefish mating battle where two male cuttlefish are trying to go after a female and uh the video is up on my screen jeremy if you want to react to it um but it's basically uh these two squid-like creatures both trying to get reproduce with a female and the one takes its arm and just pushes the other one away constantly That's like amazing. this it is one of the best videos you'll see and you last sure there isn't a promo for pirates of the caribbean 
<laughs> it might be. I actually saw the trailer for that, and I feel bad. Mm. Um, but the uh, and the last link is the oatmeal had a beautiful, beautiful comic this week on the nature of our belief systems and how we react to evidence presented to those belief systems. That, that is a incredible read. All right. So the oatmeal.com is uh, that webcomic. It's a great webcomic. Um, let's do the VR minute, but let's keep it short. We've only got a minute. Okay. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first news. Um, our friend uh, from Valve, uh, Czech Falzek, has left Valve. Salutations. One, one of the big proponents, original proponents of the current implementation of VR, Steam VR, uh, big developer relations guy, mm-hmm. he, writer, Old Man Murray, worked on Half-Life 2, Portal. Portal 2. Uh, all the writers of Half-Life are now gone. Mm-hmm. So Half-Life 3, I don't know where that might be. If it's, it's already written. Happen. I, I, I guess so, yeah. Um, so um, he said... It, he hasn't announced anything next, but uh, we want to thank Chet for all his support over the years, enthusiasm. helping us and enthusiasm in bringing uh, about uh, wh- what we understand to be VR today. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Vive and Steam VR, um, Va- HTC, which makes Vive, we got to separate those. If we say Vive and Steam VR interchangeably, but Valve develops Steam VR, HTC makes the Vive. And HTC has their own accelerator program funding companies working in hardware. And they had a showcase last week that Engadget went to and reported from, including demoing things like TPCast and also showing an eye tracking accessory that might be coming out later this year that would be a head mounted accessory for the Vive headset. Uh, we need not a chance to test it yet, but we'll be pursuing more information and trying to get uh, hands on with that. It's interesting. It inserts into the headset. So it yeah. sits there between your eyes and the, the glass. It's, Absolutely. It's neat. Um, and then uh, the Vive Deluxe Audio Strap finally has a release date. It's going to be June 6th, coming out soon. Uh, 99 bucks? A month now. 99 bucks. I think it's an essential buy if you have a Vive. Totally. Um, and I can't wait for that to come out. Um, we have an update for uh, the Star Wars Trials on Tatooine ILM demo. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. so it's an update. Like this has been out yeah, for a while up- now. Yeah, you okay. can wander around on the sand now and okay. do more stuff. A little more right. locomotion. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Appropriate for Star Wars Day. On the Oculus side, uh, we have uh, Wilson's Heart came out for April in May. Their big game will be Star Trek Bridge Crew coming end of May, May thirtieth. I uh, still haven't played it yet. This is from Ubisoft. It's based off the new JJ Abrams Star Trek universe, but will promise multiplayer, running a bridge, going on away missions. They say it's a long game. It's a full game. Really. Um, Oh, yeah. So I'm excited. I, I, I want to try it. Me too. Um, and then um, finally, uh, there's on Upload VR, one of their columnists uh, did a modification to their touch controller with uh, some rubber bands and a glove to make it so you can hold the touch controller without gripping it. Kind of like the, uh, the, the hand-mounted, the, the side-mounted Vive prototype controllers that Valve showed. Well, um, why? why? Why do this? Well, then you can... Theoretically, code a game where you can uh, release and throw a ball and mm-hmm. not have to hold the controller. Uh, ergonomics don't work perfectly. They're trying to emulate the Vive solution. Yes, the new the prototype the solution. prototype exactly. controller that, that Valve is working on with the existing um, the Knuckles prototype. They're trying to emulate that with their existing touch controller. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work perfectly because of the way the ring works. Kind of blocks limits your hand movement. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you want really free hand movement without having to grip the controller, but because of the the tracking ring, you only have so much movement. Um, But it's worth checking out and trying, um, and maybe it's going to be added to support for some games. 
Um, and then uh, we played some Rec Room um, Jumbotron. We got to spend more time on this next week. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do a full talk about that. Yeah. A long story short, you yeah. gotta you gotta try the Rec Room. Rec Room Jumbotron, great. Wilson's heart, not so much. You yeah, can hear so more about it on projections this week. Right? Yeah, it'll come out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what we've been testing. Oh, but we we do have time for that testing right. this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Hey, what have you guys been testing? The answer is nothing. Nothing. Uh, I got nothing. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Nintendo Switch. Um, we have actually some camera reviews coming up on the site. Uh, other things coming up on the site, we're releasing our video series of Adam going on set uh, on uh, Alien Covenant. We have a whole behind-the-scenes series, two episodes out already. You guys have to check that out. Also, some videos from Silicon Valley Comic Con are rolling out, including Adam's two incognito walks, uh, his panel talk, and we'll have his one-day build of that in the next week or so. Um, so check those out on the site and we have plenty more stuff on test.com for our community members. And before we go, we have one outro. Who's this outro from Jeremy? Christopher Justin. All right. Hi there. I didn't see you. Test it. Yeah, sexual over. and asexual reproduction. Ooh, yeah. It's yes and yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye.